What up, Renegades? Welcome to episode number two of A Renegade Rooted in Love. As I shared in my first episode, the What to Expect episode, I want to bring you into my story before we get started in all the other content. This is very important to me because I'm a firm believer that nothing speaks to the human soul like story. When I hear a story that resonates with me, the lessons woven into that story become a part of who I am because I see myself in that story. And because of this, I want to kick off this podcast by telling all of you about myself and about my journey and about what has gotten me to this place. Because theory is great, concepts are great, but there's nothing more powerful than lived experience. And everything I'm going to be sharing in this podcast comes from lived experience. Sure, we'll be dropping into some concepts here and there that I have learned along the way, but I will never share anything that I have not lived. So my intention with this episode is to show all of you how the five body blueprint or the embodied method that we run through in this show came from my life, came from my experience. Yes, they're related to the koshas, but this is because these five bodies are woven into the blueprint of all of us. And it just so happens that over the course of my journey, I fell into them unintentionally and upon reflection, see now how they created the man that stands here today. So we're going to go back. We're going to dive deep. And I'm going to bring you into the evolution that led me to this point. Now, there's some dark shit in here. There's some painful stuff. And I promised you in the last episode, and I'm promising it to you again now, this podcast is real, it's raw, and we do not turn away from the raw realness of life. And so we're going to set the stage We're going to anchor this in by me telling you my journey and bringing you in to as much of the detail as I can in an episode that you still want to listen to. But know that over the course of the journey, over the course of this podcast life, you're going to hear a lot more about the details of each of these experiences. Today, we're going high level. We're going to bring you in. And then expect to go deeper and deeper and deeper into all this stuff over the course of our journey together. So I've said enough. It's time to dive in. When I go all the way back to when I was a little kid, my home life was pretty good. My parents had no fucking clue what they were doing, like most parents, and they were really young when they had me, but my house wasn't broken. My parents were always there for me within their capacity. Now, they separated when I was three, 
And my first memory as a child is my parents telling me they're getting a divorce, but they made the best of it and they did everything that they could. When I was really young, we didn't have a lot of money. My parents were definitely struggling, trying to build businesses, trying to find careers. At one point, my father, myself, and my stepmom were living off of her teacher's salary in the east side of Vancouver. So we weren't below the poverty line, I don't think. Maybe, maybe we were for a three-person household. I don't ever remember starving. I don't ever remember needing anything. I remember having what I needed, but there wasn't a lot of opulence. There wasn't a lot of extras, one might say. So I spent the majority of my life at the beginning going back and forth from mom's house to dad's house. Super standard, super common for a divorced family. When I was really young though, I had this crazy ball of energy inside of me and it, it, it would come out in these, in these wild ways. So in school, for instance, I'd be sitting there and I would feel this rush of energy coming through me and it would manifest in anger and frustration and sadness, whatever, but I would explode. It was like this anger, this, this, this power flew out of me. And I got known for being this kid that would run out of class and have the teachers chasing him around school because I, I couldn't turn this thing off. It was like this force inside of me. And because of that, the school system pushed me away. They put me in the principal's office with my own desk. They tried to put me on drugs. They tried to do all of these things to fix me. And so from a very young age, I internalized this idea of being broken. And because of that, I started going down a very bad path. So thankfully, I made it through elementary school. Things were, things were pretty touch and go. It was a surprise that I made it through elementary school at the same school, but I did. And sure enough, out of elementary school, ended up in high school. And things really got bad there. Things got bad in a sense of I was exposed to drugs. I didn't have anybody watching over me, so I didn't have to go to class. So naturally, I start skipping. I start smoking weed. I start hanging out with not the best people. And because I felt this energy of me being broken and never being accepted in a classroom because of what they wanted to call ADHD or whatever the hell you want to call it, I distanced myself so much. So I pulled myself away. And this led for me to be hanging out in the smoke pits outside of school, outside of class. And gangs prey on kids that do that because they see that you're not fitting into the mold and they want to give you something that feels like home. And so sure enough, I got roped in with the wrong crowd. Now, I'm not talking, you know, gang bang and shit. Like we're not talking guns. We're not talking anything hardcore. I was a child. I was like basically a kid. So I was like a little runner boy for these guys. I'd move stuff around. I'd go hang out outside the corner store and ask people to buy them cigarettes. Like I did really basic stuff. I was just kind of this little I was a little, a little bitch to them, to be honest. But what I found there was brotherhood. I found this, 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 this relatability, this connection that I didn't have anywhere in society. And so sure enough, I started to dress like a hoodlum. I started to show up like one. I started to really embody this energy because it was the first time in my life that I actually felt accepted. And so what happened was one day I was leaving my 
school. I was leaving the, the place where we were hanging out. And I got followed by four or five guys. I can't remember exactly. And I was wearing brand new clothes. By this point, my family started having a bit more money. So my mom was able to outfit me with some swagger, which felt really good. So I was rocking this, this new gear. I felt really cool. I felt really powerful. I was hanging with my crew. It was, you know, everything, was, everything felt good for the first time in a very long time. And these guys were following me. And I was like, okay, this is kind of weird. And so sure enough, they, they, they run after me, turn me around. And they say, you know, Cam, give us everything you've got. Wallet, cash, and we want that jacket. Like this brand new jacket. I remember it was this beautiful, beautiful jacket. And they're like, give us a jacket. And I was like, man, are you fucking kidding me? Right. I'm like, no way. I'm not giving you my jacket. And I remember at this point, you know, these guys were a lot older than me. They said, there's, there's two ways this can go. You give it to us or we take it. What do you choose? And at that point I was terrified. I was super scared. So of course I sucked it up, gave him my jacket, walked home in the cold. I remember crying, 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 crying. Cause I felt so helpless. That day I got back home and I made a pack inside of myself where I said, never again, never again will I let somebody do that to me. I'm going to make it my mission that nobody does that to me. That moment changed the whole course of my life because I decided to harden up. I decided to become the bully. I decided to be the biggest, baddest motherfucker I could so that that stuff never happened again. By the age of 14, I was doing more transactional things with people. I was expanding my entrepreneurial pursuits. And I started robbing people. Because, of course, if I'd been robbed, the only way to not be robbed again was to start robbing people. And was to start showing my power so that people knew not to fuck with me. And at 14, I was charged with armed robbery. I wasn't running into a bank. I didn't have a gun. I wasn't holding up liquor stores or anything like that. I would jack people. And I robbed a guy at a mall one day who was collecting money from me. Sure enough, he went and told the cops. I got arrested for the first time. Thankfully, I got a conditional discharge because it was my first offense and I was so young. However, that led to a massive, massive path of crime. So sure enough, I get arrested. I think I'm hard. You know, I got banned from that school. All these different things happen. One thing led to another. I started scrapping. I started getting kicked out of classes, kicked out of schools. This started spiraling out of control, right? I felt like I had to become badder and badder and badder all the time. So sure enough, age 16, spent my first stint in juvenile detention where I was kind of finally like, oh my God, okay, now I'm a gangster. Now I've been to jail. And I think back, like I see 16-year-olds on the, on the street now. And I'm like, that's like a child, right? But I had this concept, this idea that was fueling this way of being for me. Sure enough, I ended up spending my 18th birthday in jail. And I was still in juvenile detention at that point. And because I had only a few months left on my sentence, they didn't move me to adult. They didn't put me in the pen, which looking back now, probably saved my life. So at 18, had my birthday in jail. Things were things were were pretty rough. Now, this moment, however, provided me with a really interesting gift. Because in jail, 
or juvie, whatever you want to call it, I learned how to train. And there was a guard named Mr. Whitehouse who pulled me aside one day and he said, Cam, when you feel pissed off or you feel fired up, he's like, you got two options. Very similar to how the guys robbed me, funnily enough. He said, you got two options. One, you can fight the guy. Two, you can come to the gym and you can move that energy into these weights and you can redirect it. It was the first time somebody actually taught me how to redirect my energy as opposed to telling me that something was wrong with it. And so this sparked this love for fitness because what I realized is I could get so much out in these training sessions and I also looked good, girls liked it, and it made me bigger, it made me more powerful. So I fell in love with fitness. And this is where my love for for forging the physical body comes from is this moment with this guard who was a bodybuilder himself. Still trying to find him, still trying to track him back down to tell him how much he influenced me and supported me on my journey. But that man redirected and changed the course of my life. Now, when I got out after that last stint at 18, I went right back into it, right back into it. I'd had all these epiphanies, all these things, and I was changing, but I went right back into it. And it wasn't until I was 21 that I had a very wild experience where I was walking down the street after leaving a restaurant. We had a a couple houses in, in the downtown east side of Vancouver. And was walking back from my, my faux restaurant, my favorite spot that I would get lunch at almost every day. And I was crossing Hastings Street. I was going down the street in Nanaimo to this one area. And, and, and this, this, it was like this lightning bolt hit me in the head. This lightning bolt just struck me in the head. And at this point, I wasn't doing any spiritual work. I wasn't, doing, I wasn't reading any personal development books. I was a hustler. We were getting paid to beat people up. We were selling things. We were storing things. We were doing everything to make a buck. And at this point, there was no movement towards transformation or spirituality. Yet I had this moment where I was walking across the street. And it was like a lightning bolt hit me in the head. And this lightning bolt filled every cell in my body with this this need to change my path. This need to redirect, once again, my energy to something else. And I'd been thinking about leaving the game for a while. Some shit was getting pretty crazy, right? You know, we had fully automatic weapons in the house that we were storing for people. There was a whole bunch of stuff going on where I was like, okay, this stuff is getting really bad. This is getting really bad. But I didn't have the, the, the gusto or the parts to leave it because it was all I knew. So I'm crossing the street. This lightning bolt hits me in the head. Every cell in my body lights up and there was this knowing in my heart that I had to get out, that I had to leave, that I had to make a change. And I call this kind of my first spiritual bitch slap where it really changed the direction of my life once again. What happened next is I walked into my house and I went up to my associate at the time, basically said, dude, I'm out. Everything's yours. Take it all. I'm going back to my parents' house. I got to figure shit out. So that moment, that day, I fully like eight mile did. I put all my stuff in a garbage bag, put it over my shoulder and I left. And I went back to my mom's house. I knocked on the door and I said, mom, I'm sorry. I've been lying. I want to turn my life around. I still can't explain this moment. Like I said, it was this, it was, it was something else that took me over. 
It was a redirection. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a course change. It was another Mr. White House in energetic form being like, dude, you got to shift. So what did I do? I went back home. My mom's like, okay, you can come back, but you got to work. At this point, I was a grade 10 high school dropout. Wasn't working, been, been doing all kinds of illegal shit for a very long time. So I had nowhere to start, no school, no nothing, right? 21 years old. Ended up washing dishes at a, at a restaurant, $8 an hour, 12 hours a day, six days a week, hands up to muck in just the grossest, nastiest shit. But I was hired by a former gangbanger who is now a chef that understood, but he wanted to test me. He wanted to make sure I was going to put in the work. And so he put me in the dish pit and I spent about 16 months spraying dishes, cleaning dishes, working my ass off. I got fired because the general manager hated me because I'd been in jail and my past and all these things. And I got rehired because I was such a hard worker after he got fired. It was this crazy journey. And not to mention, I had all these kids who were servers and bus, bus boys and bussers and hostesses, all these sexy girls and stuff looking at me. And I'm just this, this degenerate washing dishes. It was this, this humbling experience where I had to just swallow every ounce of my being because I was, I was this, I was this guy who, who everyone was afraid of. I was this guy who everyone was like, oh my God, you know, Cam McDougall, I was this, this thing, but it was all based on pain. It was all based on bullshit. And so sure enough, here I am washing dishes, covered in muck, doing everything I can to leave that life behind because I knew there was something more for me. Now, what I did after that is I ended up working my ass off. I became prep cook. I became, you know, line cook. I became first cook. And before I knew it, I was running that kitchen. I was running that show. All because I became so focused on bringing transformation to my life. Now, one thing I want to add, after I had this spiritual bitch slap that pushed me into the dish pit, it wasn't very long after, but my associate that I was working with at that time, his door got kicked in by SWAT and he had to flee. Still to this day, he's gone because of the things that he did. Had I not left, started washing dishes, become sous chef, like found something that I was finally good at, I would have been with him or I would have been dead. So these moments are pivotal. Because when I took that shift and went into that dish pit and worked my ass off and worked my way up through each step of the cooking reigns, however you want to see it, it was the first time in my life that I actually was praised for being good at something and praised for my work ethic, my diligence. Whereas in the game, in school, with my family, all of these things, it was always outside of sports. I was never... Never praised. And even in sports, I was never like that good. I was just kind of like, you know, average in that sense. I was never praised. But as a chef in the kitchen, I was praised. I was celebrated. And it lit this fire inside of me. And so this is where I learned to focus my mental body. And I learned that when you want something enough and you get people around you that affirm your ability to accomplish this thing and to execute it powerfully, you become unfucking stoppable. What people think doesn't matter, what you think doesn't matter, your fears don't matter, nothing stands in your way. 
You become an unstoppable force. It comes from focus, it comes from passion, and it comes from external validation from people that you trust and relate to that causes powerful shifts in your life. This is where passion comes from. This is where our superpowers are unearthed. And becoming the sous chef of this restaurant lit a fire in me. Sure enough, I went back. I graduated high school. I ended up going to business school because I wanted to start my own restaurant. That was my plan at the time. And so this led to this, this, this cascade effect of wanting to bring so much power, so much beauty, so much success to my life. This is the power of the mental body. When we focus it on what we want to accomplish and we align it with what is burning inside of us. So sure enough, at about 26, I ended up graduating post-secondary school. I had a business degree. I graduated with distinction. Once again, I was able to crush what I could never do before because I had this fire inside of me. And I got hired by a financial firm. I know I went to school to start a restaurant. I realized that was my passion and I fell in love with business and business school. So I went to a financial firm. I got hired, started once again at the very bottom as a sales assistant to work my way up. Within that first year, I was crushing it. I was making six figures. I was owning it. I was on fire. I started working my way up through this financial firm. By the age of 28, I was making more than both of my parents at the time. I was driving all the fastest cars. I was training. I was in CrossFit. I'd become a strength and conditioning coach. I had you know, tons of money. I was traveling the world. I had a beautiful relationship. I had the place. I had the truck. I had the clothes. I had all the stuff I ever wanted. I felt like I had made it. I felt like this was it. Like I had transformed it all. I I had I had gone back and crushed school when no one thought I could do it. I had built my body. I had left the game. I had found love. I was making money. I was doing all these things. And I was like, fuck yeah. Here we go, baby. I'm here. I made it. Sure enough, that was not the case. It really truly wasn't. Because when I was 29, I remember sitting in a strip club with a pocket full of blow and a pocket full of cash. And I realized that I was still that same hoodlum, that same drug dealer, that same criminal, just now under the cloak of a socially acceptable career. I had changed everything on the outside, but nothing on the inside. The amount of money didn't matter. The amount of praise didn't matter. The amount of success didn't matter. The amount of potential didn't matter. Nothing mattered. And in that very moment when I was sitting in that strip club and I had that realization, my heart sunk. Sure, I had all those things, but let's look under the hood. I was extremely addicted to blow. I had a serious drinking problem. I was taking prescription drugs. I was being an absolute asshole to my partners, to the women in my life. I was wrapped up in ego. And like I said, I was just the same criminal 
with a new socially acceptable cloak. This is where I learned to harness and align the energy body because the outside doesn't matter if the inside isn't in alignment. And so sure, focusing my mental body became really powerful and it got me out of the world that I was in and it got me into a a much safer place, but it was not the answer. My energy was still out of alignment. So sure enough, I hit rock bottom. I went away on an all expenses paid trip, did things that we'll probably get into at some point in this podcast, but lots of things that I was extremely embarrassed about. I saw my addiction fully in front of me. I was drinking all night, staying up, doing blow all night, having sex with as many people as I could, waking up, popping a Xanax, popping a Valium, popping something to shake off the fog from the nighttime and the depression and the anxiety to then have another drink to start the whole thing over again. And I did this day after day after day after day to return to my house in Vancouver to hit the deepest, darkest depression of my life. I spent six months on the floor of my apartment crying. Now, don't get me wrong. Nobody knew about this. I still went to the gym. I still showed up at work. I still closed my deals. I still put the smile on. I still put the suit on. I still did my hair. On the outside, it looked like I was fine. Every single day I would go home, I would take my suit off and I would crumple and I would cry. And I would think about how fucked up life was that I could get to where I was, change so many things and still feel like I was completely lost. That is a very sobering feeling. Now, during those six months, I had a little archangel. Not to mention, you know, I joined AA, I joined Narcotics Anonymous, I did a bunch of stuff, but I also had a really random phone call come in from a very good friend, very, very good friend. And Ryan, if you're listening to this, I appreciate you. I know there's a lot of Ryans in my life, but this was a Ryan from BCIT. And he reached out to me and he said, Cam, I just finished this book and I want to give it to you. Now, Ryan Darakshan and I hadn't talked in years, 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 years. He just reached out because he said, I read this book and it made me think of you and I want to give you a copy. So through my tears, through my pain, through my suffering, through everything, I went, okay, let's grab a coffee. We grabbed a coffee and he turned over a book by Eckhart Tolle called A New World. He said, Cam, I just finished this book and I think you should read it. And so we had a short coffee. We had a short experience. Right then and there, I took the audio book that he gave me, the CDs, jumped in my truck, put in the first CD and started listening. Chills came through my body. Every single cell in my body woke up the moment I started listening to that book. And it was a reminder of the path that I'm meant to be on. And so sure enough, following the guidance from that book, I started meditating. 
And in my meditations, I started aligning to an energy that I had never imagined existed. And so I went to AA meetings. I went to NA meetings. I got sober. I got my relationships in order. Now, I was assistant vice president of this company at that time. And there was a lot wrapped up into that. But what I did realize is I had to leave the finance game in order to really truly give myself the space to get back to myself. And over that time, I had made a lot of money, but I had spent it as quickly as I had made it. So I didn't really have much to show for that time. And what I've also come to know is that fast money gets spent as fast as it's made. And so I left the finance game in spite of not really having much. And sure enough, went right back up my mom's stairs, knocked on her door, and very similar to how I left the game many, many years back, I did the same once again in the finance world, saying, I need to get myself together. I'm in a bad place. Now, I want to just shout out my family here for a second. And I want to take a moment to acknowledge the fact that had it not been for them, I would not be here today. And there are so many of my friends, so many men that I was locked up with, men that I came in contact with over the course of my life that were very similar to me that didn't make it out of those times and didn't make it out of those worlds because they didn't have people they could go to. If the only people I had to go to were other gangbangers or criminals or hoodlums, you just continue the cycle. You just go back into it. And so taking a moment right now just to honor my parents for putting up with so much of my shit, but also never turning me away when I really truly had a plan and wanted to change. So sure enough, after driving Ferraris and Lamborghinis and going on trips whenever I wanted, doing all these things, I was back at my mom's house, living in the basement, going, what the fuck is happening with my life? What am I doing? How can I figure this out? So I dove deep. I dove deep, I dove deep, I dove deep. I'd started a side business, thankfully, while I was in finance, that was seeing some success. So that gave me a really good energy outlet to work on. So I was working on that side business and really got into training. I started going into a, you know, a really deep phase of, of performance, like really getting my body to a powerful place. Sure, it might have been out of suppression somewhat, but I needed outlets. I felt very, very lost. So I made it to CrossFit Regionals. I started seeing a lot of success in this other business. We ended up selling it. And I actually started coming back to myself for the first time ever. So let me rephrase that. I, I came to myself for the first time ever. At this point in time, I was about 31 years old. I made a decision to do a massive act of service with a client and a friend of mine. So Jeff at the time was working with me. I was helping him with his fitness, with his mindset. I'd also started taking clients on a couple years before this uh, from a performance standpoint. So he was one of those clients. And to get his stuff in order, we decided to do a big goal together. We decided to ride our mountain bikes from Banff, Alberta to Mexico. That's 4,350 kilometers, uh, the elevation of Everest up and down six and a half times. It's the longest off-road mountain bike route in the world. We decided to ride that together, to do it as a mission, 
And we did it to raise money for at-risk youth. So my journey became about service. Everything changed for me when it became about service. And it became about me coming back to myself, coming back to this, this inner child within me that never got seen. So we did this ride to raise money for these at-risk youth at an organization called the Take a Hike Foundation. So we raised a bunch of money. We completed the ride in 38 days. Our goal was under 45. And this was this massive moment of realizing that we can actually use our past, use our journeys, use our transgressions, use our challenges, use these aspects of our being that we shut away and demonize so much to actually do so much good. It was that alchemy in front of me. After seeing the power of that, I was like, I'm gone. I'm out. I'm moving to Bali. I'm going to go start studying Eastern practices. I'm going to start immersing myself in the world of human transformation. So I moved to Bali. I started building a coaching business in Bali. I started going, you know, going back and forth between Australia and Bali. I'd make money on a farm. I'd go back and continue building my business. And I just kept going deeper and deeper and deeper into studying life. Now, when I was in Bali, I met a beautiful man named Lucas Mack. I'm sure some of you follow him on Instagram, absolute powerhouse in the breathwork space. He was friends with a partner of mine at the time, and he offered me a breathwork session to kind of invite me into their crew. And in that breathwork session, he held me in, a, in such a beautiful way, in a way that I'd never been held before by someone with a similar past that helped me really take a look at what was going on behind the scenes. And in that breathwork session, I kicked, I screamed, I cried, I released, I did all these things that I'd spent my whole life running from because I was trying to be a fucking tough guy. I was trying to always have it together. I always needed to keep my chest up, keep my chin up, be strong, be powerful, all of these things. And I fucking suppressed it all. And for the first time in my life, in that session, I gave it all up. I let it all go. I released all the bullshit. This changed my life. This taught me that my emotions were a superpower. This taught me that my emotional body was there to support me. This taught me how to harness my emotions. So connecting with my past self, turning that into service for these at-risk youth on the ride, moving to Bali, connecting with Lucas, learning how to actually work with my emotions became this catalytic moment for me to really start diving into my emotional body and to really start looking under the hood of what it meant to be a man. Because all those times I was being tough, all those times I was trying to, to, to act hard, I was just scared. I was insecure. I was terrified. I'm a firm believer now that a strong man is a man that can actually express himself, not someone that's just resilient and can be tough through it all. A strong man is someone who can feel, express, and has that under control, voluntary control. This point in my life changed everything. I immersed myself completely into the world of breathwork, became a practitioner, started studying neurolinguistic programming, started studying neurology, why we do what we do, ancient studies, ancient practices, all of these things. It just, I started studying it all because I realized that we actually can create the lives that we want to create. And we're not bound by our bullshit, bound by our trauma. And so I went deep into studying this. 
Deep, 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 deep. I became the student of life. And over the course of that journey, immersing myself under the teachings of a lot of people, books, solo trips to the Amazon, plant medicines, various ceremonies, various circles, traveling the world, I just fully immersed myself in what it means to be human and how to actually harness this craziness that's going on behind the scenes. This led me to today, to my mission now to help people find balance, to learn to work with the dark and light aspects of themselves evenly, to find fulfillment, to find more passion, to find more clarity. Because let's recap, I've been the hard one and I was insecure as fuck. I've been the successful one and I felt empty as can be. I've done the things and I know that they're not the answer. What really is the answer is balancing out all of these avenues of our lives. To have the physical in order. To have the mental in order. To have the energetic aligned and in order. To have the emotional harnessed under control and in order. And to deepen into life, to become the student of life, to deepen the spiritual body. It's through this that we change the game, that we find fulfillment, and we start to live the lives we are destined to live. This is my story. This is my journey. Every episode from here will be an extension of one of those bodies. And we will be going deeper and deeper into the actual mechanisms and actual circumstances of each of these points in my life to help you understand why you do what you do as a man. Sending you so much love. I honor you for listening to this episode, for really taking time to get to know who I am. Like I say, I honor your time. It is the most precious asset you have. And it's my mission to make sure that every moment of your life moving forward is rich, is juicy, is full of fulfillment. I see you, I honor you, sending you all the big love. Until the next episode, let's get it.